separating from a relationship is never easy, especially when there are children involved. And those caught in a toxic, unhealthy cycle, stuck in a court system that does not have the best interests of the children involved. It's a broken system that is in desperate need of repair, that on occasion, far too often, it results in the abuse, neglect and death of the innocent children caught in the middle. Today's case is one of those stories. Two children given to their father because the other parent was also not fit to care for them. Quote from the father's own attorney in the custody hearing. There are a lot of issues with both parents. Unquote. Children given to their father only because he had the means, despite what the recommendations reported to the court stated. Unfortunately, because no one was listening, because no one was willing to protect the vulnerable, nine short months later, one child would lose their life destroying countless others in the process. A death that could have been prevented if the warning signs were addressed. In a victim statement, Alicia's aunt, Roberta Fitzpatrick, she summarised it best, quote, Sending her to live with her father was a death sentence. It was a travesty. Alicia never got to enjoy anything. My greatest hope is that this situation sheds light on the way things are done in court and that they will make changes, unquote. Unfortunately, more than a decade later, the same horrific situations occur all around the world. This is Alicia's story. A series cold case cracked. A father will be arraigned today in the death of his 14-year-old daughter. Series police say Mark Massidi killed his daughter and buried her in the backyard back in 2006. Mark Massidi and Roberta Allen had a toxic relationship filled with substance abuse and domestic violence allegations, resulting in a number of filings of restraining orders. Despite this, Massidi and Roberta would give birth to two children. First a boy, and then a year later, Alicia Augusta Mercedes Allen, on November 8, 1991. Two children introduced into a dangerous cocktail of drug and alcohol abuse and violence. The family would move around constantly to avoid charges and restraining order requirements. In 1998, Miss City was convicted of several charges, including drunk driving and bank fraud. Along with a domestic violence charge he was already facing, Miss City had no other option but to accept a plea deal in which he did not have to serve any jail time, but instead he was ordered to attend anger management classes. This would be when Roberta would leave Miss City officially, and at one point, she would flee to Canada with the children to a battered woman's shelter to avoid him. However, court orders would force the family back. During this period, the children would be moved between parents and other family members, from home to home, never having a stable environment. Roberta would attempt suicide and at one point hit her son, all of which did not support Roberta's desire for full custody of her children. 
Now, Masidi did not attend his court-ordered anger management classes or any of the recommended drug and alcohol treatment. He even would serve a short sentence in jail. It didn't matter, though. The Santa Clara County Court still awarded Masidi with temporary custody of Alicia and her brother, while the custody arrangements were battled out between the former couple in court. Years of custody hearings would follow. Missidi had a lawyer, but Roberta could not afford one. Due to the animosity between the parents, the court ordered a children's attorney to represent the children, Johnny Herring. She would report in her recommendation that Missidi should only be allowed supervised temporary living arrangements with the children. That Missidi ignored any court requests such as enrolling the children into a school or allowing Roberta to have contact with them. Johnny summarised, quote, I am deeply concerned about both minors, especially Alicia, unquote. Judge Vincent Chirello found Roberta Allen an unfit mother, that her depression left her unable to provide a stable home for her children. Despite a long criminal history at this point, the judge awarded Miss City full custody of Alicia and her brother after Roberta signed the custody order in Miss City's favour. Roberta warned from years of court orders and realising she was fighting a losing battle. She signed the custody papers for her former partner to take the children. She would never see Alicia alive again. In December 2005, Mercedes would move from San Jose with 14-year-old Alicia and her 15-year-old brother to the 3500 block of Alexis Court in Ceres in Northern California. He would enrol the children in Central Valley High School, although neither would actually ever attend. During the next nine months, there would be numerous reports given to police and welfare workers, warnings that the children were in danger. August 14, 2006. Mark's girlfriend, Shelley Wellborn, took a flight from her home in Los Angeles to Miss City's home in Northern California. The original plan was for Wellborn to pick up Alicia from a relative's home in San Jose, on the way to Ceres from the airport. By the time she landed, though, Miss City had left multiple messages on her phone that the plans had now changed that Wellborn did not need to get Alicia anymore and just to come straight to his home. According to Miss City, the story went that on August 11th, Alicia left his home with her pet chihuahua, that she was going to visit friends in San Jose, that she had allegedly called Miss City the day prior on August 13th to say she was going camping, but he had heard nothing more so he surmised that she must have run away. Later that day, Wellborn would report Alicia missing to the series police department, and they did not believe there was anything nefarious or that a crime had been committed. They believed Miss City's story, 
and that Alicia did indeed run away from home. The case would quickly go cold. There was no evidence of where Alicia was, and there was no sightings. And given her father did not push the missing persons case, and her mother was unable due to poor mental health, there was no one to keep Alicia's name in the spotlight. Miss City would be evicted from the series home just four months later, in December 2006, and he would move to Los Angeles to live with Wellborn. It wouldn't be until early 2009 that the case saw some movement. A new detective took over the case and with fresh eyes, new information was discovered. And the series police department, with the department's street crimes unit, began to interview people who lived in the area. We are so excited to be working with Podcorn this week. Podcasting is hard work and working out where to go to monetize your podcast can be even harder. But then we heard about Podcorn on another favourite podcast of ours. Podcorn is a marketplace that links podcasts of any size and listenership to podcast sponsorship. There are so many options too, from live reads like this one to guest hosts. The good news is that it's user-friendly and easy to navigate around. You simply put in your proposal if you want to work with a brand, and you are in control of the rate of payment. What are you waiting for? Start making money from your side hustle today with Podcorn. We can recommend it because we use it ourselves. Click on the link in the show notes to sign up for Podcorn today and start getting sponsors for your podcast. March 28, 2009, investigators would receive an anonymous tip that they needed to again search the series' home where Alicia was living at the time of her disappearance. The series' police department were assisted by the Sacramento County Search and Rescue K-9 team to search the property. The cadaver dogs went straight to a certain spot in the backyard. They had a hit. A forensic team dug up the backyard and buried beneath the lawn, just a few feet from the concrete patio, four feet deep. Investigators found remains wrapped in plastic. Those remains would be identified as belonging to Alicia Mercedes. Two other families had lived at the property since the Mercedes were evicted, and they would be interviewed at length. Now, obviously, these families would be proven not to be connected to the case and were cleared rather quickly. The house had been vacant for several months previous to the investigators' renewed interest in the case. This led investigators to obtain search warrants for the home that Miss City and Wellborn shared in Los Angeles. They never expected to find what was inside. Miss City and Wellborn were running a meth lab in the home. And given there were children also living there, including Wellborn's 12-year-old daughter, the couple were immediately arrested and the children placed in state care. The shocking details of Miss City's depravities would not end there, though. Further searches of the home 
would find hundreds of videos and photographs featuring child pornography, in particular of Masidi molesting Alicia while unconscious. The photos included not only Alicia but other underage children. Both Masidi and Wellborn would be initially arrested on drug and child endangerment charges, while investigators further looked into Alicia's murder. It was then the coroner's office would return their findings. Alicia's autopsy and toxicology reports concluded she died of acute drug intoxication. The report stated, quote, that the body showed presence of opiates, morphine, amphetamines, methamphetamines, benzos, diazepines, methadone and antidepressants. Investigators would theorise Miss City would be the one responsible for giving Alicia the drugs to prevent her from resisting the sexual abuse. According to court documents, Miss City would have a different theory. In his official police interview, Miss City would claim Alicia told him that she was being abused by someone she called Uncle Earlrich otherwise known as Gregory Joseph Ulrich, a man who had worked for Masidi at his computer business. This man was a registered sex offender, though for reasons that are not clear, he was not listed on the sex offender list. Alicia alleged that Ulrich exposed himself to her and showed her pornography. Masidi allegedly took Alicia to report these incidents to police but they told them there was not enough evidence to prosecute Ulrich. And Masidi would continue to this day that Ulrich was responsible for what happened to Alicia, despite what the evidence showed. Ulrich would later be convicted of felony child molestation after pleading no contest. He would not spend much time in jail, however. Ulrich would die shortly after his sentence began from cancer. His role in Alicia's death is unknown to this day. It would not be until 2011 that Mercedes' charges would be upgraded from drug and child endangerment charges to that of one count of murder, one count of child molestation and one count of sexual penetration by a foreign object while the victim was under the influence. Prosecutors were quickly to announce they would be seeking the death penalty for this horrific crime. With a number of sexual assaults over the nine-month period before Alicia's death, totalling to at least 40 occasions. Missidi would also be accused of abusing two other girls while living in Los Angeles. Girls aged 8 and 16 years old. Missidi would be imprisoned and would remain there for four years until his trial would begin. August 2013, a criminal grand jury indicted Miss City, but his arrangement would be postponed numerous times, and then in May 2014, Miss City would finally appear in court. This would be the first of many lengthy delays in the trial, allowing further pain and devastation for Alicia's grieving family. In June 2014, 
publicly assigned defence attorneys Robert Orstein and Mark Sullivan would tell the judge they were no longer representing the city, that he had given them information that broke down the attorney-client relationship. In our research, we could not find what this information was, most likely due to attorney-client privilege. The trial would officially begin February 6, 2017, with Superior Court Judge Dorna Reeves proceeding. Masidi told the court he was now representing himself, that he needed more time for various reasons. He did not have time to read all the court documents relating to his 40 counts of sexually abusing Alicia, as well as the sexual abuse charges involving two other girls along with a capital murder charge. Miss Hiddy told the court he had intense pain in his hands from writing while shackled to chains, that he had limited access to a phone, making communication with his legal advisor difficult, that the conditions in the jail were horrific and inhumane, that his jail cell did not have a firm writing surface for him to make notes. For reasons I don't think Miss Hiddy deserved, he was granted extra time before the trial would commence, and it was rescheduled for six months later, August 14, 2017. This wouldn't happen, though, before the trial would again commence in July 2017. Masidi would declare he had changed his mind, that he no longer wanted to represent himself and had a defence attorney, Martin Baker, who was previously his legal advisor, and the trial would again be postponed. The trial finally started October 3, 2017, but within two weeks the proceedings were halted again because Masidi wanted to take a plea bargain that allowed him to dodge the death penalty in lieu of a life sentence without the possibility of parole. He also had to read publicly an elocution statement listing in explicit detail the sexual abuse he inflicted on his own daughter, how he had rendered her unconscious repeatedly from July 2005 through to May 2006. He would commit rape, sodomy, oral copulation and digital penetration. The jury would be showed hundreds of images showing Miss City sexually abusing Alicia, Thankfully, they would be spared the videos of Masidi setting up a hidden camera in the bathroom of an eight-year-old girl who had lived in the Los Angeles apartment he was living in with Wellborn at the time. The jury was told that the other videos and images were found in the apartment that showed Masidi sexually abusing a drugged 16-year-old that he had befriended in Los Angeles. While awaiting the sentencing hearing, Masidi again requested a new defence attorney, Stephen O'Connor. He was initially denied this request, only for it to be overturned days later. O'Connor tried to argue that Masidi only pleaded guilty because, quote, it was a horrible situation, unquote, and because Masidi was assured by his previous attorney that he could appeal and the guilty charge would likely be overturned in a higher court. Because of this, Masidi wanted to again change his plea to not guilty. 
Judge Donna Reeves denied this request. And on November 28, 2017, she handed down her sentence, stating that Mercedes, quote, displayed an extremely high degree of cruelty and callousness, unquote, in carrying out his crimes against an innocent girl. But not any innocent girl, but his own daughter, who he was entrusted to love and care and support. Masidi was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for murdering Alicia, while in the commission of sex acts. He also was sentenced to serve concurrently, 30 years to life for lewd acts with a minor, and a consecutive sentence of 234 years and 8 months for repeated sex crimes against the three girls. Judge Dorna Reeves went on to state in her sentencing, quote, Even after completing the horrendous acts, he continued to prey on children in the same manner that took the life of his own daughter. This demonstrates the level of depravity and callousness and the lack of remorse that is shocking to the conscience. No child within the defendant's reach is safe at any time. Unquote. Alicia's older brother is no longer on speaking terms with anyone from his family. He's always declined media requests and went on to serve in the military. Alicia's little sister, Elena, who was eight years old at the time of Alicia's death, she has battled depression her whole life since because of knowing what happened to her sister and never knowing the bright light that she once was. A beautiful young woman who loved horses and dancing to Shakira with her whole life ahead of her, stolen by the one who should have cared for her the most. If you have your own thoughts about the case we discussed today or any case we talk about on this podcast, please search Stolen Lives Podcast on Facebook. Like our page to make sure you don't miss an episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter. Search lives underscore stolen and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Research and script writing by Onico. Hosting and production is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.